Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Founder Hour podcast. And this podcast is brought to you by Outer. Outer makes the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture, all from sustainable materials, and is the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. From teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five-star resort for less than you'd pay at a big box store for something that won't last. Pat, and you know how much I love five-star resorts. Oh yeah, I do. And as you know, Pat and I spend a lot of time outdoors, and we love hanging out on our outer couches we're certain you'll love it too for a limited time get 10 percent off and free shipping at liveouter.com this is outer's best offer anywhere anywhere only available to the founder hour listeners get 10 percent off and free shipping at live o-u-t-e-r let me say that again for all you alphabet geeks live O-U-T-E-R dot com slash the founder hour. That's liveouter.com slash the founder hour. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, before we get into the episode, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy what you hear, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you get notified when new episodes drop. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, at the founder hour. Let's get into it. Our guest today is Steve Madden. Starting out in 1990 with just over $1,000 in the bank, Steve followed his passion to create one of the most recognized brands in the world of footwear and fashion. Over the last 30 years, Steve has built his eponymous company into one that is worth over $3 billion. But as some of you may already know, he almost lost it all at one point after spending two and a half years in prison for his involvement with the infamous Stratton Oakmont scandal that was portrayed in The Wolf of Wall Street. We had a super interesting discussion with Steve about his life and upbringing, what inspired him to become a fashion designer, his takeaways from prison, and the first thing he did when he got out, why he wrote his book, The Cobbler, and much more. Let's dive right in. Steve, thank you for being here with us. Uh, We're in Pat's apartment, which is kind of like our makeshift studio these days. Um, So thank you for coming out here. I know you're here from New York. Uh, so excited to spend this time with you. We, we always started off with talking about the early life of the founder, kind yeah. of setting the stage of, uh, where you were born, what you were like as a kid. So if you kind of want to walk us through that, that'll be helpful. Well, I come from New York. I come from a, a, a place uh, in Na- called Nassau County in Nassau County. I don't know if you guys know. Nassau County. Yeah. Nassau County. Yep. Not to be confused with the Bahamas, Nassau. That's right. Right. Um, South Shore, right by the Atlantic Ocean. And um, I had, uh, so I got a, a good job in the, uh, <laughs> I got a job in a shoe store when I was in high school. I had no, you know, secret desire to be in the shoe business, but that's the way it, that's the way it went. What about before that? Talk about like where, you know, your parents and, what life was like as a kid? Were you an active kid? Lionel were you a trains. good student? Lionel Trains. I was amazed by Lionel. You, you know what Lionel Trains I don't. Trains are? I don't. What's it called? Lionel Trains? You don't know? Nope. God, you guys. Jesus. <laughs> you know, I feel very young, but you I'm should. not that young, but I feel young. So I, I can't imagine that anybody wouldn't know what Lionel. <laughs> so we used to have trains. You know, you could make the trains run, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from remotely. 
It was like a big deal as a kid. Is it like kind of those Christmas tree ones that go around the tree? Yeah, the one. Yes. What were those called? There was a brand. Well, Lionel was the big. Okay, maybe that's Lionel what it was. was yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had them. It was amazing to me, you know, things like that. It was yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, were you into sports? It, yeah, I was into sports. I was sort of typical uh, kid, nothing special. Um, I'm from the suburbs, you know, very, very not special person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe the only thing, uh, the only thing unique, and I don't even know if it was unique, I, I, was that I was a big reader, you know, which is, uh, well, I was kind of a wild kid, but I read, it was sort of not my brand to read. What did you read? People use that expression a lot today. What kind of books? I I read it. You know, I started reading. Uh, you know, at an early, really early age, Doctor Zeus was the was the first thing that I remember really loving, and uh, would read those books over and over again, and uh, and then you know started reading other stuff and yeah and uh, I think a lot of people my age probably grew up reading. I don't know if I'm that unique, but I was very interested in reading about rich people and particularly reading about movie moguls. I was so fascinated uh, in that. And I would read all the books and I, about all the, the the mostly Jewish guys that came to Hollywood, you know, from Russia or, uh, or the lower East side of Manhattan or whatever. Mm -hmm. I found that so interesting. Not all of them were Jewish, but, yeah, most of them were. Was that more so for you, something or or or, or someone or some ones to aspire to become? Were you trying I, to look yeah. up to these people as I want to be them one day? Yeah, I definitely did. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember reading about you know Samuel Goldwyn and Harry Cohn and Louis B. Mayer, and uh, yeah, I wanted to be them. Mm-hmm. I read that uh, David Geffen used to do the same thing. I I haven't heard anybody say that, but I did hear him say that yeah i've read his book the operator i think it's called yep very thick book very thick book it's thicker than the bible it's thicker than the bible it is thicker than the bible yes it's biblical very biblical yes very were you a creative kid or not really no not really no Hmm. no no i don't think so i mean i was i mean looking back i think i was yeah but you know in different ways i wasn't a painter or a musician you know uh, but I definitely thought differently than other kids, probably. I might be like wrong here, but you seem like, because most entrepreneurs are this way, so I am assuming, but the kind of kid that was just distracting in class and distracted. Yes, yes. And didn't distracted, really like... distracted, all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always in trouble. Yeah. A lot of times, yeah. Do you, do you know why? Do you know why that was? I mean, looking back, of course, do you know why that's how you were? That's how you were kind of designed? Well, I, I, I think it was because I had this ADD. But I didn't know it at the time. Right. I just thought I was, you know, a cut up, cut, you know. And, uh, but I came to find out that my brain was shooting out, you know, uh, lots of thoughts at once. Yep. yep. And so that's how I was. Were you a good student, though? No, no, I was not. No. I think I saw you went to college in Miami, though, right? I did. I went to Miami U, mm-hmm. and I didn't really, I didn't last, didn't make it too far. I was but, terrible. Did you? Ju- I mean, what was it that? I mean, did you just not enjoy the 
curriculum? Did you not enjoy the setting? I mean, it was great. I mean, it's Miami. Yeah, I can't imagine you didn't enjoy that. Yeah, I was uh, getting high a lot, and yeah, uh, you know, just partying. Party. I guess they call it partying. That wasn't really <laughs> too much of a party. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it was wild. Just undisciplined away from home. I am amazed by kids today how well they do in school. Like my first year away from home, I was like a wild, right? You know, you know, sleeping till three. Yeah, like just let you know. loose. It was crazy. Yeah, you know, and then I would sometimes. I remember there was a there was a spell where I was like actually going out at twelve one o'clock at night. Huh. I remember that. Like I was on this like crazy, like time thing. I would go to this club, like get there at two thirty in the morning. It was crazy. Yeah, sleep until like two o'clock. Yeah. Oh God, I could sleep all day. <laughs> Did you have any idea though what you would do with your career, your life at that point? Well, I did think I would be in the shoe business, even in college. I did, even in college. Yeah, because I had done the job in high school. I was very interested in it. And this was in New York at the time. You were working at a shoe shop in New York. Well, I worked. Yeah, I went to high school in New York. So. Yeah. Yeah. Were you making shoes? Were you selling shoes? What were you doing in the shoe I was business? working in a store. Got it. Yeah. So you're a salesman. I was. And a stock boy. Did you like selling or was it more so you liked shoes? I love selling. I love selling and I liked shoes. I liked them both. Did you wear nice shoes? I mean, did you? were you like a fashionista? I, I, I'm not in a really. Yeah. I'm still not really. Yeah. You know. I still sort of wear t-shirts. As he's wearing a black t-shirt, black pants, and a I love the L.A. Dodgers yeah. hat in black. Well, I'm in L.A. I gotta wear yeah, LA. yeah, you got to wear L.A. You can't wear New York. Um, I was, uh, you know, very average, never not a fashionista, you know, but I was I was interested in shoes. I'm guessing you were pretty good at the time, like in the store selling shoes and whatnot. Yes, I I, I was I worked hard. I remember, I sort of remember working hard like a high school kid like working like extra grinding you know i was grinding you know i was even grinding even then i and i did have this feeling this sense that i was working towards something but i didn't know what it was i did did you have anyone that you would consider like a mentor to you at that time i had i had mentors along the way i think it's so important such a gift to get a mentor like someone who took a liking to you and said hey steve you're pretty good at this you should pursue it Yes, I did. I had mentors, and uh, which was great. And um, I had a few along the way. You know, they go away after a while. But did you pick them, or did they pick you? I picked them. Yeah, for sure. Like, you don't know. I don't know. Maybe one of them picked me. I don't know. You <laughs> yeah. never know about that. Yeah. Was it like your boss in the store? Yeah, my boss at the shoe store that I worked in, Lance. This guy. I love that they do this new thing. You guys, they go, shout out to Lance Rubin. They do this thing. I noticed. Shout out to Lance Rubin. Shout out to Lance Rubin. (laughs) Where's he at now? He's just a retired, he's older fellow, great guy. Would he be be surprised at the success that you've achieved? I think he is surprised and also proud of it because he really knows that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be Steve Madden. This guy really... You know, yeah. he was like this, you know, he was this guy, you know, he was like this handsome guy, first of all, like, and all the girls loved him. So right away on that score, he was the coolest. And he mm-hmm. worked in a shoe store. He was like 30. Yeah. 
29, owned a shoe store. And, you know, it was kind of like a, sort of a different kind of a guy. But he was into, what was interesting about him, he was into the, the styling of the shoes. You know, he wasn't just like buying the shoes. He was like, and he started working, this, this guy, Lance, he started working with um, the wholesalers to create what he wanted for the stores. And then he went into the wholesale business. And I later joined him in the wholesale business. Got it. I worked for him. What kind of shoes are we talking about? Men's shoes, women's shoes? Women's shoes. But there were some men's back in the day, but it was... And like luxury brands or... No, no. Just, you know, funky stuff. So who are, who are the customers that are coming in? You know, women <laughs> from the age of, you know, 15 to 40 yeah. kind of a thing. And you did well, like... As a salesman, you did well with that demographic. I was very good at that. What made you so but, good? But I mean, I'm a good salesman. What, what does that mean? What For someone that? who's not a good, it's not me, but just someone who's listening who's not a good salesman. Well, you know, there's all kinds of selling, uh, but it's an art, and uh, I'm probably not that good anymore. But, you know, I always prided myself in being able to sell. It's I knew that if I had the attention of the, you know, the potential buyer that I could make that sale. Hmm. Yeah. Did you have other aspirations of, you know, other industries you wanted to work in at the time? Or was it like, I found my niche in the shoe business. This is what I want to do. I did. I kind of found it. I didn't really. Yeah. Cause you can sell like anything, right? You can sell real estate, you can sell furniture, Yeah. but you thought shoes, like that's, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Shoes. What did you think it was a good business or? I knew that I was going to go into it one day. I just didn't know how. What gave you so much conviction? I mean, like, you know. Which point? At which point? At this point, you're, I assume you're a few years into working. You're out of college. Yeah. You're working in the shoe store. What gave you so much conviction that this was going to be your life? Or at least in that moment, what you perceived you to know, be your life? Um, it, I was just very interested in it. And, uh, you know, I didn't know. I didn't, you know, I didn't sort of know how it was going to be. But I knew that it would be. And again, I worked hard at it. And, uh, you know, what I thought came to pass, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very interesting because you're one of few people who has kind of the story of, I found it very early on and just stuck to it. Right now, yeah. everybody's just, they try so out a bunch of different things. Yeah, I was so lucky, though. I was very lucky. You know, me having the mentor and, you know, seeing a, you know, it was just a very unique uh just very lucky uh, in that part of my life. Very, very fortunate. So when was it when you decided, all right, I'm going all in on this. You know, it's time. Was it after college or? So I, I, went, to co I went to college, came back, worked in another shoe store, and then uh, worked for two years. And then was the guy that had started the first store took me into his wholesale business. Got it. And that's where you started your own business? I started my business uh, about 10 years later. 10 years later. Yeah, 10 years from after I left the shoe store. So you're working- Nine or 10 years later, yeah. So you're working with this guy and you're, are you learning again how to sell or are you learning to buy? Are you learning to no, make now it? I, I'm learning how to make shoes. Got it. And how to, you know, how to create shoes mm -hmm. and, uh, and how to sell and create shoes. You know, it was always part of the same thing. It's almost like this paid apprenticeship to kind of learn everything. Yeah, it wasn't an apprenticeship oh no no i know but, yeah and all this time are you building relationships with people yeah 
Yeah, I was good. Good. I had customers, and yeah, it was. It was a. It was. I was in my twenties, and I was just. I was very lucky. The whole. The whole path was very. But the thing is that I see, you know, today, just to digress, I, I, I put the time in, you know, I did the work I, I, and I, I paid my dues, you know, and I see a lot of, a lot of uh, youngsters not, they want to go into business, not paying their dues. Right. You know, paying your dues, you know, just for the sake of paying dues is nothing. But I mean, doing the work and learning the business you know, I, I, by the time I went into my own business, which was, you know, like at 32 years old, I had been working seven, you know, since I was 17 and the, being a stock Bingo. boy and being a salesman and doing, working in a factory and doing all this stuff. So, so I was um, ready. Yeah. So the time when you're selling all the shoes out of the trunk of your car, that's when you're 32 or was that a little bit that later? when I was 32. Wow. So after 10 years working in the industry, you still had to. Yeah. Well, then I had to, I went into my own business, so I didn't have all the resources. So I had to be a little creative. Yeah. Steve, during those 10 years, because I mean, that requires like ultra focus. Were you single? Were you, I mean, dating? Were you married? I mean, because once you, that comes into the picture, right? And other things and kids and. Yeah, that was another. Right. Thing. Like you start yeah. losing focus. Like right? even now, you know, as 20 year olds, 30 year olds, like you get into these different things in your life and you're no longer solely focused on school yeah. or solely focused on yeah. work. Yeah. I mean, what was your situation like at that time? Well, if I had been married and had a kid, I wouldn't be here sitting with you. I would have been, you know, even Steve on. Madden, the stockbroker at like fidelity or something. <laughs> no, I don't know what I'd be doing, but I was singularly focused on my career. That was it. Was that a good thing? Well, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a good thing. I mean, where I'm at today, I'm glad I did that, you know, where I'm at. You know, but the time you miss out on a lot of stuff, people are getting married, people are going to like, you know, all these islands. The Nassau, <laughs> Bahamas. No, they went to these islands. I never went to any of them. <laughs> I would meet people, they're going to St. John, St. Bart's, Turks and Caicos and Puerto Rico and Aruba. I never went anywhere because yeah. I was always working. Yeah. I remember when I first made a few a few dollars, I said, let's go to St. Bart's. <laughs> How was it? It was good. I enjoyed <laughs> it. I was like worth, worth the hype. Or yeah. 58 when yeah, I went yeah. to St. Bart's. Yeah, I don't yeah. even remember. Yeah. You know, it was great. But I mean, I never went anywhere. I went to Boca. You know what I mean? Yep. So you decided, okay, I'm going to go off on my own. I'm going to start my own business. And then you come out with your first shoe. Um, how are people finding out about it? Were you like hitting up all your contacts? So in those, in those days, you know, if you, you know, you get them planted in the stores. So that, that's what I had. In, you know, because I had connections. So if you got them in and, if, and they worked and they retailed, then word would spread. You know, they, oh, the, you know, if they checked if the consumer bought them, you know, it was very much like the record business, you know, in the same way, if, you know, you could be small if you had something, you know, like Sun Records, you know, with Elvis, you know, it was a little shitty little, little hole in the wall or like Motown, Barry Gordy with a little, but he had a few records and people bought the records and then the word spread mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then, you know, it was similar to that. Very similar. Right. I want to backtrack a little bit. I mean, 
where did did you have money saved up to start Steve Madden? I mean, was there a transition period between leaving, you know, this business that you're working for for 10 years with your mentor? I had a little, I had very little money. Yeah. I just kind of creatively started up and worked whatever financial angle I could work. But what allowed you to think to myself, now is the time? I mean, you've been, I assume, loyal I to know. that guy for 10, 15 years and then just a f- switch I think flip. I was frustrated. I, I, I think I wanted to, you know, have my say, you know. It was time for me, you know. Yeah. How did you figure out what the first design was going to be? Uh, <laughs> actually, I do. I remember what it was. It was a little clog. Was it the Maryland? It was the Maryland. It was the Maryland. Why'd you call it the Maryland? I don't know. I guess it was named after Marilyn Monroe or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, and uh, I guess. And uh, it was just a little backless shoe. And it was a hit. It was pretty much a hit right away. Boom. And you obviously called the brand after yourself. Was there any sort of like thought to that? Or it was just like, oh, sounds good, Steve Madden. Like, my name is not Salvatore Ferragamo or something. And like, it's not sexy. So I'm just going to put my name. It wasn't a, you know, something I thought a lot about. It was just, okay, let's just call it that. I had a name. It was called Soulier. It was Slippers. Some French name, yeah. Nobody knew, and 10 people <laughs> said they owned it. It was one of those. And I was yeah. like, you know, fuck this. And I'm <laughs> going to call it Steve Madden, and that's it. I know I own it. And, uh, you know, so that's what I did. Hopefully those 10 key people have still kept that one because with the values of how things go up, that's probably worth something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so um, whoever owns a Soulier clog you know so much stuff you know when you know talking about my life with the book and everything yeah but so much stuff is like i can't believe i did that why did i do that you know it's not like i don't know i'm sure that you know there are other entrepreneurs that had it all worked out on the blackboard but i didn't yeah you know just sort of trying to survive and going from one success to another but small successes well i feel like i don't know i mean pat and i have done this now i think 200 and 50 something times. And I think a lot of people craft their story to seem as though they had it all planned out. Not me. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> think they're actually telling the truth, to be honest with you. I don't know who's telling what. Yeah. But, you know, I can't believe, you know, I was scared. I was on yeah. my own. I was selling shoes. I knew that I, I, I kind of was, um, you know, that the notion of making hits was the thing that drove me. Like I knew if I just keep making hits, the word will spread. And everything will sort of sort itself out. Yeah. And that was the overriding sort of philosophy of the company. Mm-hmm. Where were you getting inspiration from for uh, the designs of your shoes? A- everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, everywhere and anything, other brands, dreams, movies. You know, you just, I always say it's like a big pot, you know, you mix the pot up and you know you come up with stuff but like you, you were you the typical fashion designer i mean like sitting down sketching things like testing it out making it i mean or, you didn't study fashion design what was your style like well i at first i made shoes for certain i was very focused on a certain demographic uh, i was sort of got sober in uh, around the same time I started my business. And I was very sort of like a 
infant. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do much. So yeah. I would go to 8th Street on my way to the meetings. And I kind of made shoes for 8th Street. That was like my influence was like this very small world. Mm. And um, it was kind of cool. And then, of course, you know, spread my wings a little bit and did other stuff, you know. This episode is brought to you by More Than Profit. If you enjoy the Founder Hour, we think you'll enjoy this podcast too. It celebrates entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders that are living and working with purpose. The host, Bryce Butler, sits down with his guests and shares personal stories about what it's like to succeed and even fail. But more than that, what motivates them beyond just profit to press forward in their work and as a leader. Check out More Than Profit wherever you get your podcasts or at www.morethanprofit.fm. All right, let's get back into the episode. As the business started to grow, you know, you have to hire people, you have to manage people. Was that something that came pretty easy to you, to be like a leader of people? It's very easy to me. That was the easy stuff. That, that stuff is like you just hire people to do it for you. Because right. as long as I could make the hits, you know, we could figure out that other stuff that seems complex, very complex to certain people, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. shipping and, I, and computers and, you know, I... IP and IT and, you know, AP and, you know, all of that. It's just all for... All the acronyms. Yeah, yeah, but it all falls into place if you have the right product. You could just get someone to do it. I remember when one of the... There was a thing. It was I had this guy, Dave Pratt. Shout out to Dave Pratt. Shout out to Dave Pratt. Shout out to Dave Pratt. (laughs) I love that. That's a new thing. Shout out to Dave Pratt. They do, you know, he was a tech, we had a guy who ran the computers. He was probably in business three years or something. And I challenged him one time because I was feeling like an idiot. You know, like I want to let everybody know I'm the boss. And I started talking to him and he knew so much more than me. <laughs> and I remember there was a moment where I said, what the fuck am I doing? Let this guy do his thing. I don't know anything about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big moment for me, you know. To, to just be like, take a step back and let the guy do his thing. Yeah, I was, let him do his thing. But at first I was challenging him. Tell me about this. What do you mean? But were you still the one designing the shoes? That, that yeah, was, your, was, that was your role. Yeah, directing the product, yeah. And how was, it, how was the company doing in the early days? I mean, financially, was it a success by whatever your definition of success was? So I, the company was pretty successful right from the beginning. You know, small. It was ahead of itself, you know. I was doing a little better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I got funding, and that's how I got involved with the, the Wolf of Wall Street guys. And, yeah. and so we, then I got money. Did you need that money? Well, I, to build a big business, I needed it. Hmm. So that was like... I deployed the capital, yeah. 12 or so years after you started the business, right? No, no. The IPO was three years after I started. Oh, okay, okay, got it. So, yeah. So, the Stratton Oakmont, the Wolf of Wall Street stuff, for those who haven't seen it, Stratton Oakmont, um, that yeah. was. So, you were childhood friends with one of the guys, Danny. Yeah, da- Danny Porish. Danny Porish. Shout out to Danny Porish. I was, I was like, I don't know, Porsche. do we shout him out? I don't <laughs> Why know. Not? Of course we Why not? Fuck out. it, Danny Porish, shout out. He's, he's, you know, everybody's, he's part of the journey. And so, for those who have seen the movie, you're portrayed in it by this guy and. and did they hit you up and say, hey, do you want to be a part of the movie? Yeah, well, they didn't ask me to be in the movie, but they asked me to help them with the movie. So they did, consultant. Fill, 
they did film in my store and they yeah. used my ad and uh so what happened so the, the well the reality as i cared less about the movie per se but in reality so they give you this funding you're obviously going to deploy the capital so that you can scale the business they ipo you is it to basically try to like pump and dump is that what they were trying to do with CPAT yeah, and the brand i think so that's right yeah, yeah. and like but it didn't work out you know it wasn't that yeah way. but but when did you realize that that was going to happen i mean did you know that that was going to happen when you got into it or is it something that like you're like oh shit like i never thought i wasn't building a real company no of course yeah but i'm but, saying when they gave you the capital yeah i thought i was going to build a real company but i did know i i did realize that i was part of their product you know, sort of assembly line. And you were okay with that yeah. at that point in time? Well, I didn't have any other place to raise money. So that was it. I'm sure you talk about this in your book, but um, where, at what point did things start to go south? And, you know, I know in hindsight, it's obviously easy to say, I would have done this, I would have done that. But if you could go back, is there anything you would change? Would you do things differently? I wouldn't change anything. You know, I mean, I wish that I had you know, not gotten so deeply involved with the guys, you know, but I was, you know, part of the thing. I was greedy and and stupid. And so I don't, uh, you know, I don't regret anything. I mean, I mean, do I wish that I didn't go to prison? I guess. But no, I don't because so many things happened as a result of of me going away. So many great things in my life. And, um, you know, you know, it's like, uh, there was a plan and, you know, it's worked out well, but it was, there was pain, you know? Yeah. I think I saw in your book, you said it was like one of your biggest fears. Yeah, sure. How do you come to grips with something like that? Like as it's happening? It's, you, you know what? That's a great question. So you just are numb when something like that happens, you know, you just, it's like when my brother died, you know, it was the same thing. I was just numb and I couldn't believe it was happening. Um, Do you feel like your life is completely over at that point or? No, no, you go numb. You're, I, no, your life is, no, because, you know, it's just something, it just, you just go numb and you know, oh, this is happening now, you know. You know, Steve, you're, you're such a smart guy. You were building this amazing company. Did you just think that you weren't going to get caught? I mean, like, what was it that made you so greedy? I mean, you were making money. The shoe, the company was successful. It was on its path to yeah. making money. Like, mm -hmm. why not just be like, fuck, you know, like, I made a bad deal. I'm out. I don't want to get, I don't want to go to prison. Yeah. I don't want to get involved in this shit. Well, I mean, yeah. No, that would have been smart. I mean, I, I know it would have been smart, but and that's who you were. But why, why did you not? Why were you greedy? And I'm not that smart. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I can, that's debatable, but like, well, you know, we got caught up in something and, you, you know, know, and, uh, and that's it. What can you say? I mean, no. it was very compelling. It was a lot of money and, you know, what can I tell you? So I know, uh, as part of that whole thing, you had to step down, you know, resign yeah. as CEO, mm -hmm. but then I think I read in jail, you were making like $700,000 as a creative consultant. Is that true? Yes, that is true. I asked for a raise. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not? Did, did you have time to, so how long were you in jail? No, I had a contract and, yeah, then, yeah. you know, that was Never, it. Yeah. So 700 grand, yeah. How long were you in jail? Two and a half years. And was that a time of reflection or was that just straight up just suffering for two and a half years? Reflection and suffering. Yeah. And what came 
to you during that time? Because you said that you don't regret it. So why don't you regret it? I don't, I don't really regret it, no. I don't regret it. I mean, I, I regret if I caused harm to people. And right. I was part of this thing with Stratton Oakmont, and I regret that. But I don't regret the path of my life. I mean, I can't imagine where I would be without those, without going to prison, you know, without that. I was very lucky, though. That I, I, I was able to take my business to another place when I got out. Hmm. So it, it worked out for me. Right. It was horrible. I don't, you know, yes. I mean, do I wish, you know, it was horrible. But, right. you know, I wouldn't have children, uh, my children, if I didn't go to prison because. Why is that? Well, I, I you know, I met my wife, you know, we got, you know, as a result of, we got close, this, this woman and I. And uh, we ended up getting married as soon as I got out and we had children and I wouldn't have been with this woman had I did not done this, you know, bid. And, um, and uh, I think about that a lot. So my kids, you know, that's a big thing. I always wanted to have children and I had them late in life. And, uh, you know, um, I have two 15-year-olds and a 10-year-old. And so I'm grateful for that. And I wouldn't have had them. So what was your biggest takeaway, you know, not from yourself at this point, but being in jail for two and a half years, what was your takeaway about the justice system, the criminal justice system in general? I mean, did you have a chance to reflect on that yeah, or think about I that? Did. I mean, cause I mean, again, as a smart guy, like you're thinking about those things now, you're like, okay, now I've, I'm here. I got nothing I can't do anything about it. I can't bitch and moan constantly for two nights. Incarceration of African Americans is deeply troubling to me. Why? Why is that? I mean, give us more context. Because they they put they threw the book at these kids for dealing drugs, and they gave enormous amounts of time and broke up families, and it was it's just terrible. And only because they were black, like for weed and for coke. I mean, twenty twenty years and ten years, and just uh, it's almost like they're warehousing people you yeah know, it was just very troubling to me and um i felt lucky you know as a white guy you know uh but they really the drug laws were really you know severe and it really targeted these these kids it's discriminatory basically well i i you know what <laughs> discriminatory i mean it was just unfucking fair right you know i mean there were white people caught up in it too don't but not 20 wrong. years, yeah. Well, you know, you, it used to be the law was if you had 100 plants, you know, it was 10 years automatically. Mandatory minimum was 10 years for 100 plants of something that's legal today. Yeah. So that's kind of fucked up, you know. So that's what I took away. I and that's not too long ago, by the way, because this is what, early 2000s? Yeah, it's not too long. Like, ago. that's like less than two decades and ago. cocaine, you know, yeah. of course, you know about the the crack cocaine uh, is much more severe than powdered cocaine. Well, that's not a coincidence. Crack cocaine was in the hood, yeah. you know, and, um, and uh, so, you know, they were very uh, racist, those laws. And, and so I was, you know, something that I came away with, yeah. with and felt, you know, I, I knew that it was a big advantage being white. You know, it's a big advantage in America. Mm-hmm. 
which is the opposite of what a lot of people think today. Right. But for people listening who might find themselves at some point in a dark yeah. place like you are in, yeah. like in their journey, uh, is there anything you would tell them about how they could get out of that? Like getting, like going to prison is one thing, but the mentality of like, am I a failure? How do I bounce back from this? Yeah, I mean, uh, wow. Yeah, you know, survival. And, uh, you know, um, well, for me, the big change in my life was getting sober, you know, um, and everything changed after that. You know, it's going to prison is a bad, is a bad deal. Now, generally speaking, uh, they, they tend to, I think that most things, you know, um, no physical stuff tends to be very severe. They get five years, five years for this, 10 years for that. I mean, it's a lot of time. They, and people think it's nothing, but like, you know, it's five Christmases away from home for tax fraud or something, you know, I don't, you know, so the, even that's severe. I mean, although violent crimes, of course, we feel differently. We want to Punish see people them. go to, yeah. yeah. So when you come out, how do you get reacclimated to day-to-day life? It took me about 12 minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm out. I'm ready to yeah, hit the ground quick. running. What was the first yeah. thing you did? At sushi. <laughs> nice. I think I had sushi. Yeah. Now, it was great. I was so lucky because, you know, I had such a great support system and good family. And, uh, you know, I was engaged and that was great and uh <laughs> shout out shout out to my ex-wife wendy <laughs> you've just been shout waiting for that yeah, wendy. Yeah. Yeah. you know that was great it was just really, i was really blessed i was yeah. lucky i'm lucky you know i really some things are just luck you yeah know, or yeah. fate or god or whatever it is you know i mean and so you stayed on as a consultant at that point no i went to work so what was your role at that point the same thing it was before but i had to wait mm. i couldn't direct product like i did before because i was away out of the game for a couple of years a lot of the questions that we got from our listeners prior to us sitting down with you and i know it's something that i'm sure you've talked about was that a lot of the and I mean, we've grown up around steve madden i remember as a kid going to the department stores it was always steve madden there. yeah uh, so it's kind of crazy kind of crazy to sit, sit down yes. with steve madden yes um but a lot of the products, not a lot, but the products almost resembled these luxury items, whether it was, I don't you know. You mean I copied Gucci? I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, okay. uh, but I said it resembled. No, but we, it, it's part of the business, you know. So could you, expl- a, could you explain what iron, that means? Yeah. Yes, we're influenced by, you know, $900 shoes. I right. mean, $90 shoes. So definitely an influence, right. but it's not all we do. So how does that work, though? I mean, just, you, like, just, from a legal standpoint... We don't really do it as much. Got it. You know, we don't do it as much. But, you know, if there's some shoe... I mean, but we're influenced by everything, right. you know? Right, You know, there's nothing... Uh, Everything's an influence. Everything is an influence. Yeah. Are, are you guys still serving, or at that time, were you guys still serving the same demographic as you were when you started and were serving that 8th Street uh, demographic? Yeah, a little bigger about? now. Of course, but like in terms of style and the people that were uh, actually buying well, I think it, because of the internet, those kind of looks became big everywhere across yeah. the country. Yeah. What would, what would you say are some common misconceptions about you that you've heard that you could address, or maybe you do address in the book? Well, you know, most people don't even know what I look like, you know. Right. Yeah, you have to like search Steve Madden person, person <laughs> on Google for it to come up. Yeah, no, this my picture is in there somewhere. 
But people like, I was always so funny, Google, because. Shout you know, out, Google. Yeah, shout out to Google. Uh, but, you know, people will say, is that him? I'll be in the store or in a restaurant. Is that him? And then I'll see them go on their phone and Google me. And I can almost tell in what process they are yeah. in that whole thing. They're like, is he really dressed is that him? like this? Is that him? <laughs> isn't that kind of great, though? Or do you want people to recognize you? Like, isn't it cool to just like, kind of walk down the street I, and not everybody well, that, knows you know, who you are? You know, after the film, The Wolf of Wall Street, they started to do that Steve Madden bit. You know, Steve, Steve Madden, Madden, that whole thing. Yeah. People would get, I'd walk down the street, I'd still get it, you know. And um, sure, it's great. You know, it's great, sure. I mean, I wouldn't want to be famous like, you know, like Paul McCartney or Drake or whatever, you know, because you couldn't, you can't, or whoever. I don't know if I if those are good examples, but... but They're good know, examples of very but, famous people. But, you know, you couldn't have a meal without being interrupted. Right, right. Or you'd have to eat, like, with a curtain up or something, which is sounds dreadful to me. No. You know, uh... <laughs> We just came from a place where they made you put tape over your shoes, over your camera, because they wouldn't let you take pictures. Interesting. Which is sort of interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Even though everybody just wears cameras on them now. I don't know. You know, yeah. I've never taken a picture of anybody <laughs> in a fucking yeah. restaurant, but yeah. they made me cover it up. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about getting married, um, having kids. Um, that was how many years ago now? Uh, I got out uh, 18 years ago. 18 years ago. 19, 18, 19 years ago. And did you enjoy being that family man and raising kids? I mean, that, was that something that you're, obviously you're proud of being a dad, but how were you like as a dad? Or how are you like as a dad? I don't know. I don't, you know, we, I, I think that uh, I'm terrible. You know, I don't think, you know, I try to do the best I can, but you always fall you always think you could do more as a parent. Is that your general mentality? Like a very no, pessimistic I mean, mentality? I mean, no, just I, like a pessimist. Yeah, I mean, but I know, you know, it's, I don't know what makes a good parent. Uh, I really love my children and I try to kiss them before bed. I mean, and I try to take them to school in the morning and make them breakfast. But, yeah. you know, I'm not you know, reading them Hemingway or anything, you know, I don't, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I feel like I could do more, you know, I always feel like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but when I think about my, uh, my generation and my parents, they didn't do anything. I just did it. You know, I mean, they got me clothes, you know, they did a lot, but they it, didn't, it didn't you. seem like, like today, you know, I just, was a kid and ran the streets and you know i my i don't remember my father ever, like what did you do tonight like what right. you know there was it, there was they were not your friend i never had that no yeah, yeah parents you know, today i like feel like are more friendly came home and that was it you know mm -hmm. so i mean they didn't go to a fucking practice you know like if you had golf practice or soccer practice or basketball yeah. practice Parents go to the fucking practices now. You know, I they didn't do that. Yeah. I think my father went to one little league game. Yeah. I didn't miss him either. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Yeah. I know you talk about this, and I mean, you clearly, you kind of alluded to it now, but you're always thinking about, well, I could do better. Well, one. Right? Yeah. Was that 
a recurring theme even with Steve Madden. And is We're always the thinking we could do better. Aren't you thinking that? Always, yeah. Yeah. How do you balance that with being content, though? Like, not content, but, you know, like, happy. I'm only happy when I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's a tough balance. Yeah, I think so. What made you write this book, The Cobbler? Wanted to um, maybe reach someone who was struggling and also wanted to tell my story while I could remember it. And wanted to tell my story for those who saw The Wolf of Wall Street. You know, those were three sort of factors. Yeah. Um, besides learning your story, what else do you hope people can take away from the book? Um, if, you know, if you're a drug-taking 28-year-old and you think your life is over, maybe, you know, you could get sober and go on to other things. That's maybe we reach somebody. And uh, also, um, I don't think I'm that, I think I'm quite ordinary. And, uh, you know, that's also some kind of a message, you know, I don't think, you know, I'm not brilliant like Bill Gates or, you know, whatever I would, <laughs> did you ever see Bill Gates dance on stage at the Microsoft? Oh yeah. Sharon developers, developers. They, they yeah. look like these white guys yeah. doing these. <laughs> that's one spastic, of my favorite videos on the internet, by yeah. the way. Spastic moves. Yeah. 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 That guy that owns the Clippers. Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Dude was on the white spastic <laughs> yeah. human. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. No, we'd never do that. Yeah. We would never do that. But like, you know, going back to like maybe yourself in high school, what would you say to yourself, you know, knowing what you know now? Well, the first thing I, I always say this, I, 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 I would say I'm not, you're not that ugly. You know, that's the first <laughs> yeah. thing. If I could go back, I would tell them, you know. Like after seeing was, all these people throughout my life. Well, I thought I was not so homely, you know, and now I, I don't think I was, but mm. I thought I was. Mm. So that would be something. No, I mean, you know, I'm kidding, but, you know, th th there was a general sort of insecurity, I think. You know, you're not that great. You're not that terrible either, you know. When did you feel or have you felt like throughout your life, like a time when you're not that insecure? Like, did you ever feel that? I think when I, when I became a Jeopardy uh, question, changed yeah, my life. Yeah, I was like, I've made it. Oh shit! Fucking Jeopardy! I used to watch that with my grandma. Alex Trebek, shout wow. out to Alex. Well, Art Fleming. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Shout out to Art Fleming, the original. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that shout out. It's so yeah, yeah, great. it's good. Yeah. Shout Who else do you want to shout out? Because it's cool. Like you really. We're gonna title this episode "Shout, shout out, out Steve Madden." Shout out to Steve Madden. Yeah. Shout out. Well, to it was Steve great Madden. being here. It was great yeah. having you. Yes. This is great. It was so much fun. You guys have good questions and and. Sell the book, The Cobbler. And uh, where can people find it? Everywhere, Everywhere where books. Everywhere where food is sold. I mean, books are sold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. It was great. Thank you, Steve. All right, fellas. It was great.